Well, this morning, I'm going to be speaking on The Incredible Community. This uh, movie, The Incredibles, is based on the premise of there is this family of superheroes. And every one of them has some kind of superhero characteristic. And their mission is to go about in a world which does not want to receive them and to save the world. And it's a fascinating movie. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it follows the trend that has been uh, out there for probably about the last 15 years or so, where some very clever people have figured out a way to make movies for kids that appeal to adults as well. Uh, and they have made billions of dollars. Um, but it's a premise that people love because it's based upon an ordinary family that is actually an incredible family. And it captures something in people's hearts, something that people aspire to. No one ever... Uh, grows up as a child wanting to do something mundane and boring, but everybody begins when you're young with having high aspirations. And there's something godlike about that, and there's something that captures the heart of, of just about everybody, whether you know God or not, because there's something godlike about being incredible. And so this concept here of the power of a family, the power of a community, is something that has been grasped, um, particularly over the last several decades, uh, by everyone. We now have huge corporations that identify themselves as families, all of a sudden. So you see a commercial on television, and it would be talking about a, a particular product, and it would say, um, a Johnson family company. And then we have these massive cable networks, huge conglomerates that are driving for profit, and they talk about their part of the NBC family. Is it really a family? I don't know. But why? Why? Why are they doing this? Why is this the case? It is because there is something powerful about family, true family and true community. There is something inherent that is godlike about people being drawn together in true family that is indeed powerful. And the kingdom principles of family do translate into business. And businesses that truly grasp what family truly is, they are successful businesses. But they weren't the people for, to first come up with this idea when uh, Johnson Company decided to advertise that way. No, this idea was brought about a long time ago uh, by Jesus, actually. Uh, believe it or not. We know the story when he was here for those uh, you know, 33 years on earth and his three years of ministry where he gathered people to him. He lived life with them. And on one occasion, he was with people. It was an important, just really critical and pivotal time for him and his followers. And then someone said to him, hey, your, your mother and your brothers are waiting for you. And then he said to that person, he looked at the people he was with and he said, here is my mother and my brothers. Which was really a profound concept at that time. And he's basically saying, these people that I do life with, they're as much my blood family as my own mother and my brothers. What is this type of family of God which is so powerful? We're going to take a look at it and we're going to look at the life uh, of Zacchaeus. We're going to look at an account of Zacchaeus. Um, but before we do that, I just want to give some definitions um, of this incredible uh, community. That, actually, the word incredible in the NIV is only used once 
uh, in Scripture, uh, where Paul says, do you think it incredible that Jesus would raise someone from the dead? Uh, and the word incredible uh, comes from the Latin credere, which means to believe, and then in, which means not to. <laughs> uh, like if something is inactive, it is not active. So if something is incredible, it's like it, it, it's too hard to believe. But Jesus, Jesus is a person who is all about the too hard to believe. He's all about the impossibles. He's all about bringing the things that seem they're out of reach into reality. And this is what he does with the family of God. He's all about bringing the too good to be true into reality. So we're going to read the account here of the story of Zacchaeus. I love this story. There's a lot to dig out of this. So let's jump in. We're going to read these 10 verses together. And then we're going to make some comments on it. And I'm going to provide three applications from this passage here. So let's read about Zacchaeus. So here we go. This is later in the story of Luke. This is the ninth chapter and the first 10, sorry, the 19th chapter and the first 10 verses. So Jesus has been around. He's been doing a lot of stuff. And so we now realize that Jesus entered Jericho. Jericho was a place where Zacchaeus lived. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. He was just passing through, not planning to stay there, but he was passing through. He was traveling. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short... He could not see over the crowd. Don't you hate it when that happens? So there will always be some natural impediment, perhaps, to you and I making a connection with God, but there's always a way that we can overcome it. He was short and could not see over the crowd. So he ran. This is interesting. We have a grown man running here and climbing trees. So he ran and he climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Wow, I must stay at your house. Why? So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And then we carry on. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be a guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Lord, look, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house, because this man too, he is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. All right, let's make some observations uh, from this here. So we're going to go back, and if you can put the scripture up there again, please, uh, David, and we're going to walk through it here. So we have this context, as I said, that Jesus has been around. He'd been doing a lot of miracles. He'd been doing incredible things. Here's this incredible Jesus. And word had traveled. Now, word traveled then very differently than it does now. Obviously, word literally had to travel. Words traveled in people through their mouths. There was no sharing of things. There's no texting. There's no Facebook. There's no Instagram. There was none of that. Um, but it meant that there was so much more intrigue because word would have got 
to Jericho and through to this man Zacchaeus from people that he interacted with, stories would have been told about this man, Jesus, but he didn't know what he looked like, didn't know how tall he was. Was he as short as Zacchaeus? He didn't know what he looked like, what really he was about. How old was he? Was he, was he an angry person? Was he a happy person? Was he old? Was he young? And so there was the, the stories had been circulating, and it was incredible. It was, it was too hard to believe. There were stories of people being miraculously healed. There were stories of him going into the temple. There were stories of him speaking with the most learned of the priests, and they couldn't show him up. His teaching was mind-blowing. And he was different. He was different than the religious people. And so here is this, this Zacchaeus who is a tax collector. So and, uh, today he would be the equivalent of a debt collector probably. He was not a guy that was liked. He was probably not a nice person. But he was given a task. He had a certain amount of authority. And generally speaking, these tax collectors would manipulate people. They would extract more tax than there was due. They would skim off the top, and then they would make themselves rich. They did not have a lot of friends. And so here is this man without, without friends. He was materially rich, but he was emotionally poor. On the outside, it looked like he would have what someone wanted, but in the inside, he had nothing that people wanted, and he knew it. And so he hears that there's this Jesus. He's coming into the city. Someone probably told him he's at the gates now. He's going to be coming in. Everybody started to throng around, and he within himself thought, what is it about this man, this incredible man? Is he different? I want to see him. What is interesting here is for Zacchaeus, he wanted to see who Jesus was. He wanted to see Jesus, look down upon him, but he did not want to interact with him. Contrast him with the woman who was sick and had the issue of blood, and she knew within herself from what she had heard that Jesus could heal her and change her life. And she, although she was less physically capable probably than Zacchaeus, she pressed her way through and she made it through to actually get to Jesus. She wanted to interact with him. But Zacchaeus just wanted to look down and watch him. Why? What kept Zacchaeus from being ready to actually go and confront Jesus, maybe talk to him face to face? Something held him back. I would suggest to you that, he, that shame held him back, that he felt he was not worthy or deserving of the love of Jesus. And so he just wanted to see from afar. He wanted to tentatively dip his foot in the water and maybe just see if what I've heard, is this really what is, he's like? Is he a safe person? Or am I going to get condemned like I have from everybody else? Sometimes we can find ourselves being at a place where we want to see and watch, but we don't want to interact. So there he ran, and he climbed up the tree to see this man Jesus who was coming his way. And so then we have this amazing thing, and I love this about Jesus. Like, you, he, had, he, he, was, he was God in person. And so there he was walking along, and with hundreds, possibly thousands of people around him, Jesus knew that there was a man in the tree that was a son but didn't know it. 
that had a hunger but couldn't come and take a drink or couldn't eat. But Jesus knew. And so there he walked and he looked up to the tree. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. Come down right now. Because I must come to your house. I must come to your house. And this is, just seems a really comical um, picture to me. I'm just picturing Jesus, all these people thronged around. Here's this sycamore tree with a grown man up in it. And Jesus holding this conversation with him and calling this man down like he's a child. Like I would say to my 10-year-old son who's climbing trees, I would walk outside and say, Joshua, come on, it's time for dinner. Get down from the tree and come inside. And so here is Jesus with Zacchaeus, and he is calling him down. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Other translations say he received him gladly. When Jesus called, he received him, and down he went. And so we have this this interaction here that takes place where we have this man who is probably a closed man. He probably has a shell. He's, he's disliked. He's living with shame and pain. But he sees something that he, he feels like he wants, but he doesn't think he can have it. So he just stands at a safe distance and he just watches. But then he sees this man. And I think at that moment, there's something about that first meeting. You know, there's the phrase, love at first sight. <laughs> and we, we have this, we have this, um, we have this picture sometimes that, you know, sometimes when you clap eyes on someone for the first time, you can get a sense about the spirit of that person. And you can get a sense that you know who they are and what you are, what they are. And I believe that when Zacchaeus was in the tree and then Jesus called to him and he saw this man and he looked at his face, I believe that in that moment, those fears that Zacchaeus had, they got dissolved by the eyes of Jesus. The, these stories he'd heard when he saw that man and he saw the face, he was like, you are. This person, this incredible person that I've heard about, you are that. And in an instant, this man who was, who was fearful and closed to the things of God, he immediately took his life and he opened it up like this. Jesus said to him, I must come to your house. Let me ask you all a question. I'm going to ask, we'll, we'll, ask by, uh, we'll ask the wives and mothers here first, and then we'll ask the husbands. If the most important person that you had ever met, by chance you meet them unexpected on the street, and they said to you, hey, I must come to your house right now. I'm coming. How would you feel about that? How would you feel about letting them into your house? Would your house be ready? Would you be excited about that? How much time would you need? <laughs> How much do a meal they want, Shauna says. So it's funny, we joke about this in my household because, um, you know, Diana will be rushing around at certain times 
And I'll be saying, you don't need to dust underneath the coffee table. No one, no one, it's not about that. It's about spending time with these people. No one cares. And then the phrase that typically comes out is that you have different standards than I do. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I have better standards than you. Because I value what is more important. No. <clears throat> All right, let's take this into the more of the metaphorical realm. Here's my point in this. When people come into your home, they really get to see what you're like. They really get to see what you're like. And Zacchaeus, in an instant, once he saw those eyes, he was like, you can come into my home. I'm not going to withhold anything from you. And with Jesus, you know who was with him, a whole bunch of other people, they all came too. Are we prepared to let Jesus and all his family into our homes, into our lives, into our hearts, and go like this and let him see all that we are? Can we be that transparent? Can we be that vulnerable? Let's talk about transparency. In a true family, in true community, we're not afraid of being seen for who we are and where we are or where we're at. We're not afraid of that. And when we're not afraid and we truly are that way, then that is what builds connection. And without that transparency and that openness, there can be no connection. Let me use an illustration here. I need a helper. Let's see who I can use. No, Chloe, I can't use you. You're my daughter. People might think that we're colluding with this. Um, Tim, come on up. Actually, we can stand here. So let's say... No, no, no. It's good. I shouldn't have chosen the actor. <laughs> so let's say I'm in a relationship with Tim, but I need to have a... I need a connection with Tim. And Tim... I want you to hold on to this. This is what connects us. And I, you cannot let that go. Okay? You can't let it go. Because I want to be connected with you. Tim, there's some things I want to talk to you about. And it's a little bit difficult. I'm not... Oh. That ain't going to work. <laughs> Our connection is so weak that the slightest bit of tension and we separate. Okay, stay there. You can, you can let go of that bad connection right now. But if I, if I can truly be vulnerable and I can open my life and I can be the real me with Tim, then I build a connection and cause the strength of that connection to be something that can truly hold us together. Tim, hold on to this and don't let go. Because, Tim, I need for you to come with me where I'm going and be with me. And I need to be with you where you're going. And no matter how hard it is or what might separate us, we got to stay together. And so whatever I go through and whatever you go through, I'm committed to stay connected to you. And when we make that strong, nothing is going to pull us apart. You and me are connected. We're not going to break. Thank you.
give him a hand. Through vulnerability and being open and being transparent, our weaknesses and our failings now become a point of connection and healing. Because as I take Tim with me, it allows the God in him to bring to me what I need. And when he sees what I am and who I am and, and my weaknesses and failings, the God in him can supply me, but he can only supply me if we're, if we're connected. And so now, my weaknesses and failings, they're not something to hide from people. They're not something to cover up. They're something to be open with, providing I'm in true community and connection. Because when I'm there, then I receive from God. And that which is weak will then become strong. And that is what is promised by Jesus. And that which is broken can be restored when we're in connection, when we're vulnerable and when we're transparent with one another. When they came into his home, Jesus said to this man, you are a son of Abraham. He made him part of the family, not by his conduct, not by what he did, but by his identity of who he was. And in a true family, you, can't, you don't decide to join, you don't decide to leave. Has anyone decided to leave their family? Don't answer that. <laughs> I can never stop being my brother's brother. I can never stop being my mother's son. I didn't have a, a choice in whether I was part of this family and I don't get a choice to leave it because we stay together. But the reason we stay together is not because of how we behave or who we are. Or, or, sorry, not because of how we behave or what we do. It's because of our identity that, that keeps us in relationship. And so when we're in relationship with one another, we stay together because of who we are and not because of what we do. We make decisions based on our identity and not upon our feelings. And so, remember, Zacchaeus, he was, a, he was a man that was, Bible uses the word sinful. He was a man that had wronged other people and wronged God. He was not a good guy. But when he saw Jesus... And then he received Jesus, and he opened his heart. When Jesus came to him, we see this response that comes towards that acceptance and that identity, and that all of a sudden, without us having any indication that Jesus had given any instructions to Zacchaeus, he had just come into his life, we all of a sudden see Zacchaeus speaking out and and changed by this acceptance and love, he says, look, Lord, here and now I'm going to give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. That we see this response here in Zacchaeus from acceptance. We see what happens when Jesus came in. Now, he knew what Jesus' standards were. 
But Jesus showed his standards by how he modeled it, not by him barking orders from above. And this prompted this change in Zacchaeus, and it's just a powerful thing. In the same way that when we're in community with one another, and we live these open lives, we get to show people God, and then we have the response to grow in God. We show and we grow. I remember that I've been profoundly affected by other people and, and things they do as they've opened their lives to me. Those of you that know Dan and Fee Reynolds would know that they are supremely generous people. And once I started to get around them, when I first moved up here and we kind of did life together 13 years ago, I'm, I'm, I'm in their home, in their lives, and I'm, I'm just being... I'm being shown what it's like to be a really generous person. And this is being shown to me, and I see this, and now I have an opportunity to respond to that, and the truth of God from that comes and changes me, and that gives me an opportunity to respond, and now I can grow in that. And I grow in what I've been shown. I remember one time this happened. I, I, was, I was listening to... Um, a pastor in my old church, I was a teenager, and he was talking about something that happened to him where he was really terribly wronged and he had to forgive someone. And he talked with such power about how it was that he could forgive this person who'd done something to them. And I remember, I can see where I was sitting in the building, I can, I can, I can just picture this whole thing, I can hear his words. And what he showed me about forgiveness through his open life caused me to grow in forgiveness, which has changed my life. And that's what happens in community. All right. To be part of this incredible family of God, there are three things that we need to ensure that we're able to do. Number one, like Zacchaeus, that we receive him. That we receive him. There he stood from afar. He was watching not ready to interact, but when God called, he received him. Number two, that we receive others. Jesus said, I'm coming to your home. And he came with a whole bunch of people. And Zacchaeus received all that came. He received those that were in fellowship with Jesus too. Can we receive the family of God? Can we open our hearts to them, and respond when they open to us. And number three, to be part of this incredible family of God, we have to stay together. That we stay together. It doesn't matter how different we are. It doesn't matter what we go through. It doesn't matter what challenges we are. But we are joined together by identity. And for us, it's that we are sons of God we're part of the one body of Christ, the church family, and we're joined because of that. God joined me to all my brothers and sisters. He joined me, and it's not based upon what I do. It's based on, upon what he has done, and so we stay together. If you will stand with me now, please. We're going to pray. <clears throat> Father, we open our hearts to you right now. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you will come and that you will speak to us, that, that you will show us our hearts. And Father, maybe there are some of us here that 
we come along at 10.30 on a Sunday and we, we want to see you, but we're not yet ready to interact with you. Lord, whatever it is that may hold us back, whatever it is that may separate us, whether it's even some of the same things as Zacchaeus experienced, whether we feel we've been in the wrong or whether we have shame, Holy Spirit, I ask that you will show us that. And if that's you this morning, you can have a chance. You can say to God, Lord, I'm leaving that behind. I'm going to open my life. I'm coming to you. Maybe you're hearing this this morning and you heard about this incredible Jesus. You know the stories. You know the Jesus of the Bible. And it seems amazing. He seems incredible. But you haven't experienced him. You haven't interacted with him. You don't know God like that. That this morning you can. And it's 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 not a complicated process. It's just a case of saying, I believe in you. I believe you are the Son of God. And I'm going to choose to follow you. And you can receive forgiveness for the wrong that you've done. And you can receive a cleansing. And just as Jesus was righteous and perfect, you receive that righteousness and God will take your sin. This morning, you can do that. You can know this amazing fellowship. And maybe we're in a place we recognize we need to receive others. We need to open our hearts. We need to be real. We need to be transparent and vulnerable. And today we can make a commitment to do that. And I'm going to pray in a minute. We'll have an opportunity to respond. And maybe there's a situation where you feel like you've not stayed together with people that you know that you should have. And you're suffering the loss of that and you want it restored. And today it can be because you can make a decision that through the grace of God, you're going to stay the course and you're going to stay connected. That your connection is strong and God will show you what you need to do to make that connection strong again so that you are not separated. And so, Father, I ask this morning that as each one of us search our hearts and we respond as we each need to, that by your wonderful Holy Spirit that you will give us power and grace to live out what we choose to do because we know that you do this. And I thank you, Lord, for this amazing, wonderful group of people that I have the privilege of being in family with, of sharing life with. And I pray a blessing upon every one of us here that you would knit us together stronger, that you would be present in our relationships, that we would know your power as we do life and live life together that we will know the goodness and the fun of joy of having great, wonderful relationships together because that is what you have designed for us because you are the author of the incredible family of God. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Stay standing for a very minute.